Hi everyone, happy Valentine's Day. It's Stacy Esner. I am here with Coffee Talk. I'm actually, I had to step out of an inspection in order to do this today. So I hope everyone is having a nice day filled with love. Um, it is beautiful here in Chicago. I know the um, East Coast had some snowy weather. I don't know if you're still getting your the snow. So I hope everyone is staying safe wherever you are. So hopefully uh, Grant will be joining us in just a minute and we can chat with him on the West Coast and find out how the weather is there. So how is everyone doing? Say hi. Tell me how you're doing wherever you are. So um, hopefully he will be joining me soon and we can get this show on the road. Um, things are picking up. Like I said, I'm at an inspection. It's a single family house in Portage Park, which is um, northwest part of the city. Um, lots of bungalows, lots of hundred year old homes. So it is always interesting to find, see what you find in these homes. So hopefully he will be here. There you are. Hi, Grant. Hey, Stacey. How you doing? Good afternoon. Good. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, oh what an auspicious day. I'm so glad you invited me to talk to you on Valentine's Day. I feel very honored. Thank you. <laughs> how, how's it going out there on the West Coast? Uh, it's kind of uh, it, it, we've had a lot of rain recently, and uh, it's actually kind of torrential, to tell you the truth. Some of it kind of reported as hurricane weather, but that was about a week and a half ago or so. It's still a little bit gloomy outside, so it's not a super sunny, happy uh, uh, Valentine's, but uh, I'm just glad that it's nice and dry, and uh, the heat is on, so I'm feeling good. Oh, good. Yeah. So we it's about um, like 40 today. The sun is shining. Nice. So the um, all the snow that the East Coast got missed us. So oh, very good. Yeah, so we're having very mild weather here for February 14th in Chicago. So I'm pretty happy about that. And you guys still have have snow and ice on the ground, or is it melting away? No, no, we haven't had snow and ice for a couple of weeks. Oh, good, good. So yeah. yes. So tell me, how are things going in your area? How is the market? Um, are, have you been busy? I mean, obviously the rain has put a, a damper on things, but are people still looking at places despite the weather? Yeah, the traditional um, message that, uh, you know, I think a lot of realtors uh, and also the general public, uh, you know, understand to be the case is that things kind of slow down in the wintertime and then they'll pick back up again in the summertime as weather gets warmer, it's a little bit more comfortable to shop. Um, you know, honestly, here in California, we don't have uh, snow and ice and sleet and things like that that you might see in the Midwest or East Coast. So it's game on all the time, honestly, for real estate for us in California. Um, I think that, you know, that's pretty much the general consensus, um, especially when you're talking to realtors. Um, the general public, they still kind of believe that, you know, the, the best time to, you know, or when the most inventory is going to, you know, be a, a parent for buying a house is going to be in the summertime. And while that can be true, you know, we always have a limited inventory. We always have, you know, a good amount of competition. Uh, we always have a good amount of high prices. 
Um, that's just California in general. And so you just kind of have to roll with it. Uh, lately, specifically, however, you know, the interest rate, you know, especially in 2023, uh, you know, mid part of 2022, it really put a damper on the market in general. And, uh, you know, that was the first time in a long time that I think realtors were kind of scrambling and um, especially the newer realtors out there that was just starting their business. You know, um, I think they were definitely feeling um, some pressure from, you know, buyers that uh, you know, had exited the market because they were waiting for the you know, rate to, to change. And now the rate has changed. Um, we, we've seen a little bit more activity in terms of, um, you know, uh, interest. Um, loan applications um, and I think we're kind of turning the corner on actual sales you know the numbers are starting to look a little bit better um, and I think they're going to continue to look better throughout the rest of this year too as well so exactly what areas do you work in uh, I work in the uh, East Bay which is east of San Francisco um, so that's Oakland um, uh, all the way out to uh, you know San Joaquin County which is Stockton and all the way for, uh, as far north as Sacramento, I've actually got a team of agents. There's seven of us, and we work primarily in Alameda County, Contra Costa County, Solano County, and Sacramento County. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we cover a pretty large geography. Um, that's about, I would say, uh, a good 100 square miles or so. And, wow. um, you know, we do find there's a lot of uh, people transitioning from, say, San Francisco to go to Oakland. You know, they find that maybe Oakland um, isn't exactly what they're looking for. Maybe it's price or maybe they're looking for something a little bit more suburban. Then we have the ability to, you know, kind of um, be able to be there with them throughout their whole search. A lot of times, you know, you meet one person in this market and that realtor can't help you out. So they move you to another realtor or another market and then, you know, right. further down the line. Well, that um, isn't necessarily the case with our team. You know, we were able to help people out from start to finish. And what would you say? is the average price point in that market or the range yeah, yeah in oakland it's about a million uh dollars and uh it's uh tough when you you know kind of think of that you know oakland is um it's a metropolitan city uh you know it's an urban city um but if you really want space and you really want to get comfortable then you might have to go out a little bit further in order to you know kind of get more of a, a laid-back uh Typical home ownership lifestyle. So a million dollars in Oakland, what is that buying you? Is that buying you a house? Is that buying you a condo? Like what is that typically buying you? Yeah, that, that buys you a house in a pretty good neighborhood, um, pretty stable area. Um, you'll usually be able to get a house with a garage and a uh, you know, bit of a backyard, but it's not gonna be a huge house, especially when you're talking about areas like Berkeley, uh, Piedmont, you know, really nice areas uh, such as that. It's probably going to be like a small two-bedroom house. Um, more, um, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, less luxurious neighborhoods, less luxurious parts of Oakland. You know, you're probably looking at uh, a good three-bedroom house um, with a little bit of space. A typical three-bedroom, two-bath house. Wow, that's so that's so crazy to me. I yeah. was before you got on the call. I'm doing. Um, I'm at an inspection in a neighborhood outside the city um it's a five bedroom two and a half two and a half bath house with a yard i mean it's a standard lot in the city and it's under four hundred thousand dollars it needs work but my client is in construction mm -hmm. so but it's three thousand square feet 
Yeah. And it's in the city. Yeah, yeah. In Oakland, for $450,000, you're going to find a house that you can't buy with a loan. It's probably going to be, um, you know, rat infested. There's probably going to be squatters there. Uh, <laughs> you'll probably have to be completely starting from scratch. And that's probably going to be in one of the most difficult neighborhoods in town, um, to give you a comparison. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so interesting. Yeah. Right? And yeah. for a million dollars in in some houses, you're buying, you know, a mansion. Yeah, I actually had a client uh, who was moving from Chicago. This was a couple of years ago now. They were moving from a town called Wheaton. Uh huh. And um, I know we. They were, they were buying a really nice house in a really nice area in the Bay Area. I I wouldn't say I'm not going to tell you price, but uh, it was it was it was very high up there. It was a record sale for me. And um, they told me they said, you know, our house is only worth seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in in Wheaton where we live. And I was so shocked that I had to look that up. I've had to look up the house and actually verify, you know, that they were actually telling me the truth. It was, it seemed like such an outlandish lie to me that I just had to know for myself, for my own, um, you know, edification. Yeah. And sure enough, the gorgeous house, you know, on a cul-de-sac street, gigantic, just, you know, um, right. five to like six thousand square foot house. Yeah, just like mm -hmm. you, a palatial estate, like you see in England or something, and at seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I was just like, wow, that's. What you can buy, if you could place that house anywhere here in, in our market, it would be easily five times that much, I think. <laughs> right. And today, obviously, that house is worth more just given the lack of inventory, right? And mm -hmm. and the fact that home prices have, have risen so much. So if it's been a couple of years, that house is over a million dollars easily today. Wow. So, but, yeah. oh, yeah. But it is it is so interesting when I have so when I was buying my first condo in 2006, so before the market crash, <laughs> I bought in Logan Square, which still was on the edge of turning. I mean, parts of it had started to turn, but parts of it were still not the best. It was before I went into real estate, and <clears throat> I got. 1,300 square feet with two indoor parking spots, which is a rarity. And the parking spots weren't an additional, weren't an additional cost. And I paid mm. under $300,000 for it. Mm. My brother lived in New York, and they were looking to buy um, a co-op on the Upper West Side. And he could not believe at how little I spent for this condo <laughs> with two parking spots. Yeah. Compared to how much they were spending for a co-op that they were going to have to gut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just just the fact, you know, they were going to be spending almost a thousand dollars a square foot, and I and and I spent ne next to nothing in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So how did things happen after uh, the market had? Uh, gone downward in 2006. Um, I, I'm sure the dollar per square foot just plummeted in Chicago, didn't it? Um, so in my building, so I bought in 2006. In 2007, a few people like sold in my building and um, for like 50 to $70,000 less than I had bought and they were smaller units. Hmm. And then, but when I sold my units, 
um, in 2019 before COVID, I made $100,000 on the unit. So, you know, prices definitely rebounded. Um, and so it's really, and I did some work to it, but it's all, you know, it's all relative. Like low, because I bought before the area had really gentrified and, you know, they've made so many changes to it now and there's so many great restaurants and people want to live there, you know, I think with any neighborhood in the city, right, there's still some neighborhoods that have not totally come back where prices, like I was trying to sell a friend's condo and it, she bought around the same time I did and when we were selling again 2018 2019 the prices hadn't rebounded in her neighborhood the same way they had in mine and so it was harder for her because she paid more for her place just based on the neighborhood to begin with and when prices weren't rebounding as much it was harder for her because I kept suggesting to lower the price, but she didn't want to. Sure. So, um, but it was hard because, because the value, you know, she saw the value being there and the neighborhood took longer. It was once COVID hit and all of a sudden people wanted these units because they didn't want to live in rentals anymore than the units sold. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so it's hard, it's hard to, um, it, it really just depended on where in the market, where in the, you right. know. Yeah. 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 All right. Our, our uh, stats are very interesting because our stats are very, you know, kind of different from, uh, from what you're describing. You know, we basically across every single city and every single market in the Bay Area here, we've met and surpassed numbers from 2006. Um, the very top market in the very top of the market in 2006 is really nothing compared to where we're pretty much at right now. And um, that happened, I'd say, somewhere around 2019 or so. Um, 2020 was a huge year for um, everybody outside the metropolitan areas uh, simply because of the pandemic and people wanting to basically an exodus, you know, from the cities into more suburban and more space, uh, you know, more areas to stretch your legs. That real estate just took off. And, you know, even during this time, we have this um, interest rate, you know, kind of challenges. The, the market still is very healthy. Uh, prices are still going upward. They're just not going up to the degree that we usually see year over year that we're used to. Um, you know, these days we're much closer and maybe even a little bit below the national average, but we're still ticking up. Um, the interesting thing is that, you know, in the past, when you look at many, many years since uh, 2008 until, you know, 2022, when the, when the interest rate changed, we were at like, you know, double digit increases year over year. It was like 10 to even 20% in some markets. It was just astounding. And so you see these gigantic gains, you know, throughout that decade until now. Well, some I think some of the thing in some of the suburbs, homes were so overpriced to begin with prior to the market crashing, and they were too big and people couldn't afford to heat them, yeah. and so they, um, or the, so they 
some of them were pre foreclosure. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going into some of them, um, because I didn't get into real estate until 2015. Mm -hmm. And so some of them sat on the market for, you know, 600 days, 1000 days. And so you go into them, and some of them were in such disrepair. And so they would be $400,000 under what they probably were pre 2008. Mm -hmm. And but once COVID hit, there was like no inventory, all of those houses, you know, developers, or flippers would buy those houses and, and, you know, fix them up, and they were able to sell them at a profit, Mm -hmm. because they were right by the lake. And there was, you know, an acre or two of land. And so people who wanted to make that exodus from the city were able to do so. Wow. That's amazing. So, so cities that did have um, a, a depreciation in their home value, home prices, all of a sudden they had this huge gain in an appreciation in home prices because of the pandemic. Yeah. But now what we're, and even like in some of the neighborhoods where people were moving because of schools, people didn't have to do anything to the homes and they were being bought in multiple offers. Mm. Wow. And so, you know, what you could buy in some suburbs, you are buying a complete fixer upper for $600,000 to $700,000. And you did it to get into the school district that you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And you were buying a 3,000 square foot house. That sounds like a deal. <laughs> well, but, but for a first time home buyer in our market, it's not necessarily a deal because that's really all the money that they had. But when you're paying 3%, you possibly still have some money in order to, you know, do some work. Yeah. Yeah. But, (laughs) but it really is all relative. But as soon as those, as soon as those um, interest rates went up to 6%, then all of a sudden they couldn't afford that $600,000 house. But the sellers still wanted that six hundred thousand yeah. dollars, and they still weren't putting any work into the house. <laughs> yeah, I think sellers really—they don't look at the interest rate in the same way that buyers do. You know, they—they they understand the interest rate's going up, but they don't understand the affordability challenges that buyers go through. Correct. Uh, and, and I think that uh, you know, obviously, sellers are always optimistic. They always think that their house is going to command the highest price and be the best house on the on the block and set right. new records. And that's not always the case. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. But what I'm finding interesting right now is I just had a closing yesterday and the um it was the highest sale in the subdivision I was working in. We went on the market January second. January sixth, we had twelve groups or six groups the night before the open house, twelve groups during the open house. We got five offers all over asking and we went, I mean, and for, I thought we were priced high to begin with and we went $20,000 over asking and it appraised. And I don't know how it appraised myself because I didn't, I spoke to the appraiser. I sent her comps. None of the comps were that price. So I, 
Yeah. I don't know how it appraised, but it did. Mm. And I, I'm like, your neighbor, I said to my clients who are also my friends, I'm like, your neighbors are going to love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Because the other, the last house that sold in that subdivision sold for like $35,000 less mm -hmm. in October. Yeah. So there was a time where um, the prices were changing so quickly that we almost had to, you know, <laughs> there was always a, a little bit of suspicion and distrust or, you know, uh, fear that the appraiser was going to ruin the deal just because our prices were climbing at a different, different rate than the comps. Um, you know, and I think things have kind of stabilized and you know, leveled off. I don't really have that kind of fear anymore, but it was very, very real for quite some time. Well, this, this was the only one that I was very hesitant that it would appraise yeah. just because there was such, I thought we were priced a little high to begin with. And then that the prices were so much higher. I mean, the purchase price was so much higher. I was glad we had an appraisal gap, but it was just, I was shocked, thankful, but very shocked Yeah. when, yeah. It, when it appraised, but yeah. I've never been been in that situation where I was like on pins and needles waiting every day until the appraisal <laughs> came back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely felt that for a good year. I think it was maybe uh, 2019 and especially definitely 2020 where prices were moving so fast that the comps would not reflect the price changes. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, and when you have the lack of inventory, it's so hard to find comps sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But, uh -huh. I mean, I don't know what to, I don't know what we're supposed to do. But yeah. that's why I think I'd rather work with with buyers than sellers. <laughs> but I, I, seriously, that's my, that's what I love. I love helping them find their house. I love helping educate them. Mm -hmm. Um, even when they get stressed out, I'm able to remain calm, but sure. that, that's just my, my niche. I, that's what I love. Very good. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I, so go ahead. I was just going to say that, um, I found that throughout my time in real estate, it's very fun to experiment with different genres or different types of business within real estate. Um, it's just been a wild ride and, you know, so enjoyable to just, you know, meet so many different people, whether they be young first time home buyers or older empty nesters that, you know, need to downsize investors, um, flippers, you know, uh, landlord type of investors. There's just so many different types of real estate out there. And it's really, really fun to interact with all these different people. I think the, the best part of my job, in my opinion, is just to get to meet so many different types of people. You know, if you're stuck in an office or behind a computer, you know, you, you have the complete act opposite of, you know, the lifestyle that we live and the work that we do, I think. Correct. No, and even even doing things like this, like working. The one of the things that I love about our Compass um, community is doing things like this, right? Like we have had the opportunity to meet in some of our masterminds and just connecting and um, this way, and being able to open up um, our communities to each other so people get to know you, um, people get to know me, and everyone. 
gets to see how connected we are throughout the country. And I think that's the best part of being part of Compass. Yeah, I, I do wonder, you know, I, I always kind of wonder if it's uh, the same at other brokerages and, you know, if other brokerages talk to each other like we do at Compass, you know, I think that the the uh, the culture, you know, um, emphasizes and encourages this type of communication. And I kind of get the feeling that, you know, we might be a little bit different from, especially a lot of traditional brokerages out there that have been doing things, you know, ever since the 70s and 80s, a very specific way. And, you know, maybe they haven't really fully caught up with what the new technology is allowing us to do. Yeah, I think, I think we are very different than a lot of brokerages. I mean, you... I just think the fact that we collaborate without ego and we are so um, open to sharing ideas and sharing what works because what you do in your market, I may have no idea, but it may work in my market. Um, you know, share whether it's sharing marketing ideas, whether it's sharing um, um, action plans, whether it's sharing newsletter ideas, or just having frank conversations about what's going on in the market. Because I, one of the things that I um, strive to do is if I have a client or a friend who's moving to a market, I want to make sure that I know the person that I'm going to refer them to. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, my friends, my family know that I am connected. <laughs> they know that I know people. My cousin was just here from L.A. Her fiance lives in San Francisco. They're trying to figure out where they're, where they're moving to they're buying a place in LA or if they're buying a place in San Francisco. And one of the things my cousin said to me is, so you can connect us to a realtor. And I said, absolutely. And she goes, and you'll get paid. I said, I will get something if I connect you. So like it's working, like what I'm doing is working. And that's the whole point of it. I mean, obviously I'm going to connect them to someone that I know, like, and trust, just like I want people to that know, like, and trust me to use me. And so that's the whole point of this. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's why I love doing this is because I get to know people on a different level than just on these masterminds or, you know, all of these different calls that we are on every week. Yeah. So, Building that communication is a very uh, foundational. It's the very beginning of building trust. You know, you get to actually Correct. get to know the person, understand who they are, where they're coming from, their personality, right. the way they do business, like you said. And um, yeah, it's it's very very important. I agree. I I think it's great that you found this platform to be able to do that. It's very ingenious, and uh, I, I just want to be a part of it just to say hello and uh, you know share ideas with you too as well. So it's definitely working. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So, and I don't want to keep you. I know that we're both busy. I have to actually jump back into my inspection and see how things are going. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate you spending some time with me today. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your Valentine's. I hope the sun comes out and uh, you, you get some sunshine today. I'm looking out for it. It's kind of peeking through the clouds. It may burn off and, uh, we get a nice sunny Valentine's maybe before uh, our early evening dinner or something. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great day, and I'll talk to you, you soon. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too, and uh, Thank you. enjoy Chicago. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.